Welcome to today's LinkedIn Live brought to you by QAD. Today we'll be discussing ethical supply chains. My name is Laura Monroe and I'll be the moderator along with Steve Dombrowski for today's broadcast. Our guest speaker today is Brent Dawkins, who is the Director of Product Marketing here at QAD. So welcome, Brent. And could you give our listeners a little bit about your background? Uh, sure. Thanks, Laura and Steve, for having me join today. Uh, my, as far as my background, I'm... Uh, you know, I got started in supply chain logistics actually with a degree, if you go back to my uh, college days, which I'll stay away from the number of years that's been. But, uh, you know, after college, I spent a number of years in the operations side of supply chain, managing transportation and procurement. Uh, for the last uh, 15 years, I've been in the uh, software area. So a number of years uh, with supply chain experience, as well as uh, spending a lot of time with manufacturers. Well, we are lucky to have you here, so thank you. Let's jump right in and talk about why ethical supply chains have become such an important and much discussed topic. Sure, I, you know, there's probably uh, probably a, a few different viewpoints on on where the importance of supply chains um, resides today. But you know, as far as an, you know, the approach to ethical supply chains, I, I would say it started initially with the consumers in the marketplace uh, a number of years ago. Um, you know, I'll, I'll point out my friend here, uh, Steve Dombrowski, will, will always say, you know, in the food industry, it was probably just a few, even just a few years ago where consumers um, may have cared about, hey, is the product organic or is the product simply on, on the shelf so that I can actually purchase it? And uh, things have changed to the point where, you know, nowadays consumers not only want to know is that product organic, but, uh, you know, how many miles has that product traveled in terms of impacting the environment? What acre of land was it uh, was it actually grown on? Uh, who was what was the name of the worker that harvested it? Uh, is that harvester being paired, uh, paid fair wages? Uh, what are the working conditions? So a lot is going on in the uh, consumer's decision making process that uh, has now forced uh, manufacturers, retailers, distributors to really be concerned about some of these ethical and environmental considerations as they bring products to market. The other factor I'd point out, um, you know, it's been consumers, it's been now the investment com community uh, jumped on board with that, uh, that focus on the environment and sustainability. But lately, over these past three to five years now, we're seeing more and more legislation come into play. And that's that's around the, the globe. And so that's becoming really driving an imperative now that, that companies have to respond to from a, an ethical, a sustainable, <clears throat> environmental perspective on their supply chain. You know, Brent, you brought up some really good points in terms of the consumers kind of driving the market. Uh, and and the the whole trend things you know and the digital age hasn't uh, has really you know encouraged some of this stuff you know you mentioned you know they want to know the name of the people you know people get on they want to know what field and farm their potato was grown to make their potato chip because they want to connect with the guy on Facebook and see if the guy practices good personal hygiene for crying out loud it's it's gotten uh, pretty crazy so. You mentioned the regulators. So what are some of the existing and possibly upcoming regulations around this ethical supply chain topic that we can kind of be prepared to look at and see in the future? Uh, sure. Great question. I think, uh, 
You know, the one the, the one that immediately comes to mind, I think uh, a lot of companies are concerned with and, and spending some time to better understand is uh, Germany is a country that, you know, passed what they call the German uh, Supply Chain Act. And it's a due diligence act focused, again, on on uh, the you know you gotta you gotta uh, you gotta really track and take appropriate measures to concern uh, human rights so so to respect those worker rights as well as your concern for the environment so um, you know when legislation like that comes out typically the the in the early stages it's it's rather a lot of gray area you know what does that really mean for some of these companies. Uh, in terms of from an operational standpoint, what are they going to really have to be able to track it, track and monitor with suppliers? But uh, the Supply Chain Act was originally passed last year. It goes into effect January of 2023 for uh, companies with 3,000 employees or more who are operating in Germany. And so that means if you've got a headquarters or if you've got a you know an office. Um, that you're going to have to start to respond to this uh, this particular act. So that's that's one area. And again, I think a lot of companies are really trying to understand what that is going to mean to them from a day to day, month to month operational basis. And to follow up on that, the EU, the European Union, is looking at some similar legislation. So that would more broadly include uh, more of the European com- uh, countries other than Germany. You've got uh, Switzerland. Uh, has passed an act in the last year or two that also is is focused on uh, supply chain uh, reporting aspects from a a, a labor and sustainability uh, standpoint. In the U.S. here, we've seen, you know, California has a a fairly uh, old act. And I think in 2010, they, they passed a supply chain transparency act where, you know, manufacturers need to, uh, to provide certain information in terms of their supply chain uh, ethical standards. We see it from state state to state. New York is now looking at uh, some more legislation that would focus on the uh, retail and fashion industry from a supply chain standpoint. So uh, legislation is starting to grow, not only, you know, state by state, but uh, country by country. And it can, uh, can Im- impact various various industries at this point. So obviously the regulations are starting to, you know, take hold. And once they're in place, I'm sure there will be some sort of governing bodies or body that will, you know, enforce some of these. But in addition to that, uh, you know, we're talking about things that could be kind of costly. So, I mean, what are the real consequences if a company says, you know what, the speed limit's 55, but I drive 60, and I haven't gotten a ticket yet. So what are some of the consequences that some of these companies, you know, might have if they don't work with ethical suppliers or maybe twist it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, what I've seen to date is, you know, the the, the consequences are going to vary in terms of the actual penalties involved on the particular uh, companies. So I would say that's one aspect, right? You have the, the penalty that a legislative body is going to place on you. For instance, the... Uh, the, the German Supply Chain Act that I mentioned, they will call out the fact that, you know, fines are going to vary depending upon the, the violation, but they could go as far as uh, 2% of a company's revenue. So if you're looking at a, a $500 million company, 
what is that? That could be that could be upwards of a ten million dollar fine if my uh, math is correct. So you do have that that penalty, and it, in most most cases, it's going to be some type of a financial penalty from the legislation component. You also though have you know the consequences if you've got unethical behavior in your supply chain is consumers are going to start to walk away from your product. And so you've got a hit from a brand perspective. You've got, you're going to take a hit from a revenue perspective. The other thing we're seeing quite a bit of is, uh, you know, hiring is, is a, a, a tough, tough uh, aspect within business today, right? You've got a number of companies finding difficulty in simply hiring enough workers and, um, uh, the way this generation looks at uh, their employment now, uh, ethical behavior, sustainability behavior, care for the environment is becoming a factor in uh, deciding where where people want to work. So, um, you know, it's going to be more and more difficult to hire. Again, if you're violating some of these ethical, environmental, sustainability standards that uh, not only companies need to have in place, but uh, workers and consumers have a certain metric in mind in terms of how you need to address these aspects uh, today. So Brent, not to, not to call out any of these companies, but let's, let's look at some real life examples. So uh, do you know of any companies that have not acted properly? Can you give us those examples? Sure. I mean, we can, we can call out names because some of the, a lot of, a lot of this is public information. You know, one of the first aspects when you, when you talk about examples, um, just in a broad perspective, one of the stories um, I like is, you know, the United Nations does a lot of work right now on the global impact of sustainability. One of the factors they'll call out is just simply the, uh, the amount of waste that goes in terms of the food industry. So they'll call out that uh, food waste is the third largest carbon emitter behind the nations of the U.S. and China. Now, you'd think that that's just derived from people simply tossing food in the garbage. But the, the U.N. had gone through their study and found that really 80 percent of that waste is really as a result of supply chain inefficiencies. And that could be the fact that, you know, maybe it wasn't transported quickly enough or efficiently enough so that, you know, you've got waste and spoilage. Uh, it could be it was also called out that, you know, it's just poor demand and supply chain planning. Um, and so food end, ends up uh, being wasted. But when you again, when you look at that from an environmental standpoint, pretty amazing that food waste is, uh, you know, number three carbon emitter behind China and U.S. You know, as far as uh, some specific company examples, uh, I'd focus on a positive example off the bat. You know, one is Patagonia, a uh, clothing manufacturer, but they put a lot of emphasis on you know, making sure that they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they're paying fair wages. Uh, they've got fair uh, working standards with their la uh, labor force. Um, and that goes to, you know, that, that, that applies to their suppliers as well as, you know, secondary suppliers. Um, as far as companies and examples that are violating these ethical standards, you know, from an industry perspective, a lot of people will go to agriculture, right? If you look at uh, the cocoa industry, the coffee bean industry, they're, you know, still relying on a lot of uh, child labor and some poor working conditions. Uh, the mining of materials, 
uh, and minerals uh, is often, you know, characterized as a an, uh, an industry that's that still is violating ethical standards. Some specific examples, though, you know, this is not just in developing countries. Just a couple months ago, uh, Hyundai, the automotive manufacturer, uh, was found to be violating child labor standards with a second tier supplier in Alabama. And that case is being taken to court right now. So, uh, you know, a company like Hyundai, certainly they're going to act on that. Um, they're going to have some standards in place to uh, to monitor that. Now, unfortunately, their monitoring didn't pick this up. It's very difficult to pick up some of these violations with your second tier suppliers more than your, your first tier suppliers. But uh, I think that provides a, a wide range of examples in terms of both <laughs> some of the good behavior you can see, some of the, the poor behavior that needs to be acted upon. You know, you brought up some really good points there in terms of, you know, leaning down the traceability road even you know one of the reasons some of these qr codes and these different scannability features that people can walk into a grocery store and scan a product and get information on is that you know hey i want to make sure this coffee this cocoa is being ethically sourced and you know consumers are refusing and they're willing to pay more for products that blatantly advertise hey you know we do things right you know, so to speak, on the packaging. So if I'm a manufacturing company, Brent, and I say, okay, you know what? You know, I, I think I need to get on the bandwagon here. You know, where can we start? What should companies consider if they say, okay, we're going to now be, you know, an ethically supply chain driven business? Where do where do we begin? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, the starting point is always the web. <laughs> I would go, you know, initially, if uh, internally, I would I would start to get out there. There is a lot of information uh, out on the web. Like I say, you know, the United Nations has a, a team that focuses on what they call global impact. There's a lot of research out there in terms of fair labor standards, uh, child labor, uh, the environment, sustainability. There's a lot of third party uh, folks out there also, you know, like a Gartner that is is focused on that. So, you know, I would start. Uh, by gathering that information, collecting that information, getting an idea where the organization wants to go. Um, as far as maybe three concrete areas to really focus in on after that, you know, once you get a, uh, an idea of the direction your company and department wants to take is um, you might look at hiring some outside resources, right? There's a lot of expertise out there right now that can really guide you on some of the pitfalls where you might be better spent, um, uh, in terms of your time and efforts, but they're going to be able to, you, you'll be able to leverage that, that experience and that expertise, right? They'll be able to tell you where to start. Um, and ultimately you want to get to a point where um, you want to focus on monitoring really and um, acting, right? So how are you going to monitor your suppliers and your supply chain on an ongoing basis, right? This is not a one-time effort. Um, this is an ongoing uh, effort. And then once you do find any type of violation, you're going to have to define how are you going to act upon that? Uh, you're going to have to, you know, what are the timelines in terms of if, if you've got a supplier that's violating that, what kind of timeline are you going to give them to respond and correct those situations? A couple other key areas I think I'd put some effort into is really supplier screening. So that to me is really capturing upfront in your supplier selection or your supplier screening process. Um, 
what kind of focus do those suppliers have on fair labor standards and the environment? And you can do that a, a number of ways, right? You know, you're going to collect that in a, a questionnaire. But I think that the key here is, yes, can those can those suppliers kind of fudge on that uh, information? Certainly. But I think the key here is for you as a company, are you operating and acting in good faith? Um, are you able to track that information that, hey, we made every effort to collect this information, confirm that our suppliers are operating in a in a fair and ethical manner? Um, so again, I put some effort into the supplier screening selection process. And then, you know, as I mentioned, again, I think you've got to really look at the, mo the ongoing monitoring. For m maybe some of your key suppliers, does that mean, are you going to do some uh, surprise on-site inspections of their facility? Um, are you going to connect with maybe some outside uh, ESG or corporate social responsibility ratings companies? You know, there, there are a number of companies like maybe an Ecovatus or a Rick, Risk Methods. And, you know, there's other examples of these companies that are now uh, tracking and rating companies from an environmental uh, supply chain risk sustainability perspective. So those are uh, roughly three areas where I would uh, put some of my initial focus on. Those are those are really good suggestions, you know, and you, you had me thinking here, you know, when we talk about for years, people have been talking about implementing a sales and operations planning process. And the real reason that was created was to break down internal silos between planning areas in a company. But today, if you look at it, we may have those silos broken down within the company, but now companies need to look at their entire ecosystem. So they need to bring in their customers and their suppliers into that process. And, you know, technology plays a role. I always talk about, you know, there's not one supply chain, the physical with the actual products, there's the digital with the information. And so to change gears a little bit, my last question to you, Brent, is we're a technology company, QAD. So how can we help? Can we help with, you know, companies starting this process and moving down this road? Well, I love that question because yes, we, we certainly can and we do, and we, we have helped and it's uh, you know, yeah, our, our focus being a software company is certainly in that digital realm of, you know, gathering and collecting the, the right information, um, sharing that information so that companies can make better decisions on this topic of, you know, ethical and unethical supply chain behavior. But, uh, you know, some specifics, I guess I would I would pull back and, you know, uh, from a pure sustainability point of view, um, you know, we've not often thought about it in this way, but certainly a number of our QAD solutions today help uh, customers in the area of the environment in terms of, you know, we we help companies improve supply chain efficiency, right? We we have demand and supply chain planning solutions that help better balance demand and supply. So you might be able to reduce some of your product obsolescence, right? You're, you're reducing the amount of materials you're using. Um, you know, on a manufacturing shop floor, we're going to help reduce waste. Um, also on that shop floor, we've got asset management capabilities that can, you know, extend the lifespan of those uh, those machines on the plant floor. And again, a lot of that ties into a sustainability uh, perspective from, a, you know, from a pure unethical supply chain point of view. Uh, we're, we're placing a lot of emphasis in terms of our supplier uh, relationship management capabilities, right? How can you work more closely with not only your first tier suppliers, but, you know, gain some visibility 
into that uh, second tier of, of suppliers. And so more visibility, more transparency, not only across your end to end supply chain, but uh, with suppliers in particular. And, uh, you know, to go back to some of the topics we covered earlier, you know, on the topic of the su German Supply Chain Act, we, you know, we have a number of our uh, R&D folks and our product marketing folks, you know, working with customers right now, working with lawyers to really understand how can, uh, what changes need to happen maybe to our supplier questionnaires in the supplier screening process so that we're fully addressing now some of the supply chain legislation so that our customers can get a better understanding of how the, you know, what focus their suppliers have on, again, driving forced labor out of their, out of their supply chain or uh, reducing any harm uh, to the environment. So there's a lot of work being done there. I think the other thing we've immediately taken some action on here most recently is we do now provide interfaces and integrations to some of these uh, third-party uh, trusted specialists that are tracking and rating uh, companies from a uh, supply chain risk perspective, from an environmental uh, risk perspective, from a sustainability perspective. And again, that aspect of our solutions really is focused then on gathering more information so that uh, our our clients can make better decisions on this topic of driving unethical behavior uh, out of their end-to-end -end supply chain. Thank you, Brent. And I, I know we could go on and on about this topic. We could probably do an entire series and maybe we will. Steve, we'll have to talk about that. I think we absolutely should. Um, Works for now, me. I know, yeah, I know others are going to have some questions or may they may want to connect with you, Brent. So um, if anyone does want to connect, connect with Brent or continue this conversation, please connect with him on LinkedIn. Um, and we will also put a link to our website and our contact portal in the comment section below. So I want to thank Brent for joining us today. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Um, we look forward to bringing you more cast, more broadcasts, excuse me, in the near future. So check back. Um, and with that, I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Talk soon. Thanks. Bye.